Thanks, you guys. I love, I love getting a chance to hear. You ever, you ever stop singing every once in a while and you just kind of listen to what's going on around you? It's pretty cool. You awake? All right, I'm just checking. You could have been smiling the whole time. I, don't, I wouldn't have known about it. Uh, we've, been, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we took a break. And we're going to pick up back on the Sermon on the Mount. This is the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus is the one who preached it. Uh, nobody's going to be able to top it. I mean, it's Jesus. You can't really get better than that. But I want to recap kind of where we've been. Okay, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. Also, if that gets too annoying, just tell me and I'll pick up the handheld. We start with the Beatitudes. Remember this? Blessed is... I went through the line of what a blessed life looks like. Talked about how to be salt and light. Remember that? How Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And then we get into these, we get into these sections of this sermon where you hear the statement, you've heard it said before, or you've heard said it long ago, and it's the letter of the law. You shall not murder. Pretty, pretty straightforward. But then Jesus addresses not just the letter of the law, but the heart and intent of the law in order to make it more full and well-rounded so that human nature couldn't take over because we're really good at finding loopholes. Right? The Pharisees were great at finding loopholes in the law. Well, I'm technically following the law, but then when Jesus says, if you have anger in your heart towards a brother, you might as well have killed him anyway. You're like, oh, well, I can't really get around that, right? Or, or don't commit adultery, right? You remember this one? Don't commit adultery is one of my least favorite sermons ever having to give. It's not that easy. And you're like, don't commit adultery. That sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. But if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. How do you get around that one? See, it's not so much about the letter of the law, but the heart in which we fulfill the law. And Jesus goes on and talks about divorce. And this week we talk about oaths. <laughs> When's the last time that word was used in your vocabulary? <laughs> I'd like to take an oath with you. <laughs> yeah, I laughed also because it sounds silly. It sounds funny. And then I started thinking about it and reading up on it about, this isn't so much just about taking an oath, it's about, it's about saying things and upholding our word with character. And what Jesus is trying to get at, and we'll get to the text in a minute, is that we, that we don't swear by anything, but rather simply let the thing we say be the thing that we do. Uh, my wife likes to mess with me a lot. She wasn't at the first service, so we'll figure out how long I can take this before I get in trouble. No, she loves me. She messes with me. She'll tell me something. And she knows I'm, I'm gullible in a sense, so she'll say something. And, and she knows it's going to get me. You ever do that to somebody where you tell them something, you know it's going to get them? Some people are nice, and they let them off the hook quickly. And then there's my wife. <laughs> and my wife is really good at it. She can look at me, deadpan face, and be like, hey, I just got in a wreck. And I have about 30 seconds to determine if she's telling the truth or not, because then I start panicking. Right? You ever done this to somebody? It sounds terrible, but we do this all the time. And so the only way that I know that I can get the truth is if I'm like, you swear on our kids? 
Because, right, she's not going to say, she's not going to keep lying and swear on the kids. And, and I say that jokingly, but we do this all the time, right? There's these different levels of swearing that we do with each other. Yeah, we do. Don't you do it, too. And there's there's silly things like there's like the basic like, no, I swear. Right. No, I swear for real. <laughs> for real, I swear. No, cross my heart. No, I swear for real. I cross my heart. I hope to die. <laughs> and we have all these ways. And then we start swearing on they swear. You'll swear on your kids. They'll swear on their kids. They'll swear on your life, my life, his life, her life. Right, I'll swear on the house. We start swearing. We swear on everything we possibly But if you swear to God. Do you feel that? Do you feel what just, you all got really uncomfortable. Isn't that funny? You tell your kids not to, you better not swear to God. But we'll let them swear to anything else. We'll use anything but that, Right? Because we know, somewhere inside us, we know that swearing to God about something binds us. Doesn't it? It binds us. And we do this about all sorts of things. My kids, my, my kids will try to bind me on things. Do your kids do this where, be like, Dad, you take us to this, the water park tomorrow? And I'll be like, I'm not sure you swear. You promise? Right, and then you have a decision to make as a parent. You know, and you're like, oh man. <laughs> and we bind ourselves on all sorts of stuff. Right? We swear to all sorts. Or, or kids do this to their parents. Hey, did you go out when I told you not to? Dad, I swear. No, I swear, Dad. And then the more they start talking, the more they start swearing on different things and different ways to try to convince you that what they said was true. Right? Or. or this is, this is my favorite. Guys, I'm going to out all of you, especially if you're teenagers. Your whole life's going to change after this. <laughs> Ladies, listen. This is a freebie. Take it to the bank. Okay? If any guy walks up to you, especially if they're in the teenage years, and he's like, girl, I love you. I swear. I swear I'll never do anything to hurt you. Yeah, you all know it's true, though. That's why you're laughing. We do don't we? Don't we? You know what you need to do, girls? You need to run. You need to run away, and you need to run as fast as you can, and don't ever talk to him again until he's like 48. Because that's when a man matures, sort of. Yeah, the guys didn't realize it. Not a feel-good message for the guys in the room today. I'm sorry. We do this, though, right? We swear. Oh, I swear, I swear. And we, we try to convince one another that what we said is true. And the more we talk about it, trying to convince each other that it's true, the less it's probably true. And this is what the Pharisees did. This is what the Pharisees did. You know, we do this in all sorts of things. We try to elevate the expectation or live up the expectation we never can do. And instead of just saying that out loud, we start making all these reasons and promises and swearing like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm going to do what you need me to do, even though I know I can't fulfill it. And the Pharisees always found themselves, it seemed, where they knew the letter of the law, but they couldn't fulfill it with the right motive or heart or intent. And I think that we find ourselves in the same thing. And the issue with that isn't so much that we can't do it, but that the effect 
of that is broken relationships. All of these things that we read in the Sermon on the Mount break relationships. The reason the law is there is because the greatest law is what? That was the weakest church answer I've ever heard in my life. What is the greatest commandment? That's right. And the second is? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we murder, commit adultery, uh, break relationships in marriage, we don't fulfill our oaths and the things that we say. Our relationship with God is fractured and our relationship with one another is fractured. This is why it's so important. And Jesus is saying it's not so much just about don't murder, but when you are angry, what happens is there's a divide that's created. It's not just about following the letter of the law. It's about fulfilling the actual thing that God is trying to create, loving him and loving other people. And the Pharisees would swear on all sorts of things. Right? Their reasoning was this, that if they broke their oath based on any of the lesser things, it still wasn't dragging God through the mud. Right? If you swear to, like, they knew, if you swear to God about doing something and you didn't do it, then you, it made bad on God. Right? But if they swore on all these lesser things, then God's name wouldn't be brought into disrepute. And Jesus says that everything by which one could swear is ultimately God's. And in so doing, you're actually doing the same thing. It doesn't really matter. And here's what Jesus taught. In order to help them realize that they were trying to use all these tricks to sidestep the truth. They're always looking for loopholes. Any lawyers in the room? Lawyers love the loopholes. And so do you and me. So do you and me, especially when it comes to the law of God. We love loopholes, right? How can I obey God and still do what I want? How can I, how can I do obey? Okay, upkeep my, okay, I can, okay, if I do that, okay, I won't swear to God. But I'm, I'm going to swear to whatever. Or I'm going to swear on my own ability. And Jesus says this, he taught that the conversation should be so honest and our character so true that we won't need crutches in order to get people to believe us. Right? We should be able to speak in a way. How many of you, by a show of hands, don't nudge the person if it's the person that answers the question? How many have been hurt by a Christian before? Lied to by a Christian before? Go ahead, raise them high. It's okay. I know if you had three feet, you'd raise all three feet. I get it. And this is what we wrestle with, right? This law, like, there's a reflection problem, right? There's a reflection problem. And this is the acknowledgement part so we can all get on the same page so that by the end of the sermon, nobody walks out going, I'm glad that wasn't me. Because nobody gets off the hook on this. We have a reflection problem. The character of God is never in disrepute. But when our character is in disrepute, what ends up happening is that we make God look bad. How many people have you heard? I said it like four times this week. I love God, but man, or the church is great if it wasn't for all the people. <laughs> right? The nervous giggles means that you probably said it too. No, and it's crazy. I'm the problem, right? Because I want to find a loophole in the law. I hurt God and hurt other people. And this is what Jesus is talking about. 
Our words depend on character. The weight of your word and my word depends on our character. And unfulfilled promises, over-promising, can't compensate for poor character. Let's get into the text. Let's see what it says. Jesus says again, this is chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 33. Again, you've heard it said to people long ago, don't break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. This is from Deuteronomy. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 23, 21 to 23. You don't have to turn there. I just want you to hear where the law came from. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, don't be slow to pay it. For the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, you won't be guilty. So he's saying, look, you're not required to make the oath. But if you make the oath, you better be good for it. Right? If you're making a vow to the Lord, fulfill it. If you don't make a vow, right, then you're not guilty of breaking your oath. And he goes on to say, Whatever your lips utter, you must sure, be sure to do because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God and with your own mouth. Okay. Let's go back to, let's go back to Matthew. So that's the law that he's talking about. And he goes on, he says this. But I tell you, don't swear at all by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, for it's the footstool, or Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. See, what would happen is the Pharisees, they, they knew they couldn't swear to God. They wouldn't say anything to swear to God because they knew that that would bring God's name in disrepute. But they would swear to heaven, I swear by the heavens. Thinking that that would, if they didn't fulfill it, that would be a lesser problem. Right? But he's saying, well, that's actually God's throne. And, oh, well, I'll, I'll swear by the earth. Well, that's God's footstool, so that's his too. Or even by Jerusalem, like, you know, the holy city of Jerusalem. They're like, well, this is a big deal. Like, this is important to us. So I'll swear by the city of Jerusalem, even though that's not really God. But what Jesus is telling them is that it doesn't matter because it all belongs to him. And so it's no different. You can't find, there is no loophole where you think there's a loophole. And he goes on. And he says, and don't swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. No, I swear on my life. <laughs> Has anybody been able to stop the balding process? I don't mean that as a slam to anybody, and I'm, not, I'm trying to look in the back of the room. I'm not trying to out anybody. I look above everybody. But my hair is starting to go in places. I haven't been able to turn a gray hair back to its original color. I don't have the ability to do that. So why would I try to fulfill a vow or say a vow on my name when I can't meet your needs anyway? Isn't that crazy? So that's what he's saying. He said, you can't even change. You don't, one, you don't know the number of hairs. God does. You can't change any hairs on your head. God can. So at the end of the day, all the lesser things that we think that we are swearing by, one, aren't good enough anyway, and two, are belong to God in the first place. And I'm going to read this sentence and sit down because it's so straightforward, it would be hard to keep talking. That's not true. We're not done yet. <laughs> he says the last verse. You ready? Simply, simply, 
I feel like what we do is when we read that word, what follows, we all muddy it up and make it complicated. Simply, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. All right, so it was very straightforward to begin with back in the day. Fulfill your oaths. Don't swear by anything else. Also, simply then moving forward, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is from the evil one. Anything else from the evil one. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Does anybody else confused about that? Does that make sense? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Uh, you guys know uh, Ananias and Sapphira? Yep. Acts chapter 5. Oh. You don't want to be Ananias or Sapphira. Here's how this played out in real life. So the early church we talked about last week, they're sharing all their possessions. And at some point, there were people who had lands. They would sell their land and give it to the church. It was their free will. It was not Christian uh, socialism. They weren't required to do it. But people were doing that. They were selling off their possessions and offering it to the church so we could, they, everybody could be taken care of. People are getting praised for it. Oh, thank you, Barnabas. Oh, this is awesome. Way to go. Ananias and Sapphira had some land too. And here's what it says in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. They had the ability to do that as their land. They could do whatever they want with it. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, at first glance, it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. They can, they can give what they want. The problem is that the price they said they sold it for wasn't the price they sold it for. It would be like this, you know, uh, I sold some land, brought it, and Chris says, hey, is this the price? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we sold it for this price, even though I put some in my pocket. No, I swear. No, I swear to God, that, that's, that's the price. They, didn't, they weren't required to do that, but they made this vow. They, they on, basically on oath saying, hey, yeah, this is what we sold it for, even though I pocketed a bit for myself. It wasn't that them putting money in their pocket was the wrong thing. It's that they lied about it. And then here's what Peter said. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the spirit and have kept some of this and you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think that by doing such a thing, you've not lied to men, but to God? And he fell down and died. And then his wife comes in, they had a drag marks on the, on the ground already. And his wife comes in and they ask her, they say, hey, is this the price? I don't know about you, but I'd have been looking at those drag marks wondering what in the heck happened to where my husband was. And she said, no, no, that's the price, I swear. And she fell down and died right there on the spot. They dragged her out too. Now, kids, I just, uh, teenagers, just heads up. I've never known someone to lie and die on the spot. So, but just in case, it's better just to be truthful. All the kids are like, what in the world is happening? This is just this story. I'm not saying you lie to your parents tonight, you're going to die. I'm just telling you that this is what the story says. And you're like, man, what is wrong with them? Why would they do that? 
And I always ask myself when I read scriptures like this, do I do this? Do I do this? Do I try really hard to get people to take my word? And if I have to explain it that much, am I really telling the truth? Am I really, is my word worth anything? I used to do this when I was in high school. Burritos at Taco Bell cost me $1.25. I never had any money. And so I would ask people, hey, can I borrow a dollar? I swear I'll pay you back tomorrow. That lasted one time. Do you know why? I never paid them back. But every time I swore on everything that I could that I would pay them back to get them to believe that my word was good. And it just doesn't work. People stopped giving me money. I stopped eating burritos. And I went hungry at lunchtime. That was my own fault. My word didn't mean anything. And then I got a little older and I found that because I was a people pleaser, I would do my very best and I would overcommit myself to everybody. Right? Yes, oh, I swear. I'll be. And then what happens? You can't be there because you can't actually fulfill the things that you say, the promises that you leave. Right? And then you're like, you like, how many, how, do you reschedule yourself a lot? I wonder if it would change if somebody said, hey, I'd love to have lunch with you. Or, hey, I'd love to take you coffee. Or, oh, hey, can you help me move? And you just looked at him and said, no. <laughs> do you know why we don't do that? Because we, we get what we don't want somebody to feel a certain way about. It. I don't mean you should be that direct. You'd be like, hey, listen, I would love to. However, I can't. So I don't want to commit myself to something I'm not going to do. Man, that person will even go... I wish I could help, but I get it. But what we try to do is we try to fulfill the needs of other people that we can't actually fulfill. And so we make oaths and we swear up and down that we're going to be able to do this and do that and fulfill this and go there and be available, even though we know we can't do it on the front end. And this is what Jesus is addressing to us. Let me talk to the kids in the room a minute. We do this with our parents all the time. Right, kids? Everybody do like this because you know I'm telling the truth. <laughs> we do. A parent talks to you or asks you and, and you try your very best to convince them that what you're saying, that your word means something. Although in your heart, you know you're just looking for that loophole. You want to figure out a way to obey them without actually having to obey them. And adults, we do the same thing. We do this to our kids, our spouses, our bosses, our friends. And, and, and it's simply is not in our vocabulary. We don't simply let our yes be yes and our no be no. And our relationships suffer for it, don't they? They suffer for it. If you have to, I want you to, if, you can write this down if you want to, you don't have to. If you have to swear by God or anything else to prove that your yes is yes and your no is no, you may be looking for loopholes and loophole faith is not faith at all. If you have to swear to prove your yes or no, you may be looking for loopholes and loophole faith is no faith at all. Loophole faith is faith in yourself, in your ability to fulfill life for you and for others. Loophole faith, when you're looking for a loophole, it means that our faith is in something smaller than God Almighty. 
Because the truth is this. If Jeremiah comes to me and he has a need that I can't fulfill, do you know who can fulfill it? This is an easy one. God can. So what I need to do to Jeremiah, if as much as I want to be the one to fulfill it because it makes me feel good, it, it builds me up, it sets me above to where I feel like I'm valuable. Instead of just being direct and saying, I don't think I, can, I can't do that. But hey, can we pray together? Can I, can I just lay you out at the feet of Jesus? Can we do that? You know, I'm available, but I know that I can't meet that need. Right? Hey, Johnny, can you give me five bucks? No, I can't. But hey, let's, pray, let's figure out how to get that for you. I'd love to try to help you. That's a much more honest answer than, oh, yeah, I swear tomorrow I'll give you five bucks. I don't have five bucks. I mean, I give you five bucks if you want five bucks. But. And I think that the why is the important question we have to ask. Why? The Pharisees weren't alone. They do this all the time. We do this all the time. But why? Why? And I think it's that need to, to, be, to elevate ourselves, right? Because we... We don't know if we have faith enough that, that God, what God has is enough for us or for others. Proverbs ten nineteen says it like this. If you have, if you know somebody like this, well, you do know somebody like this. It says when words are many, this is Proverbs ten nineteen. When words are many, sin is not absent. You know somebody like this? Somebody who talks a lot to try to convince you that what they're saying is true? When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. I was in San Francisco. We were coming down to, um, we are coming off this boat and we, or our car went in the East Bay. And this person approaches us. Now in San Francisco Bay Area, somebody approaches you, it's nighttime in the East Bay. Going to stand up a little taller, pay attention. Say, hey, I need a ride to Oakland. And immediately the story started. So we're like, we gave him the jump. Yeah, come on. Put the person in our car. There's three of us in the car. This person getting a ride. And as we begin to drive, this person spun a story. It was a good story. But you know, this is how it is. They get in the car. And it's not just a straightforward like, hey, I need a ride to Oakland. And then let's just talk about life till we get to Oakland. But for 25 minutes, it was a story about why they needed a ride to Oakland. It was why. And, and it was it was deep. And it was like all these things. And about five minutes in, and it kind of hurts your heart because you're like, I was, I'm already giving you a ride to Oakland. But there was a need to justify the need. And so there was kind of this, this deception of, of uh, the, the, the purpose of this conversation. You do it in more subtle ways. Um, I was watching Groundhog Day uh, the other day, and um, classic. And uh, there's a scene where he's walking, but there's a person on the street needing some money. And, he, and all, each day he walks up and he's like, Patton is, oh, you know, Patton is, oh, and keeps walking by. Right? We do this all the time. When somebody asks you for something, have you been approached on the street for money or something else? There's, there's, there's real need, right? And we either don't believe them, but we pretend like we care, even though we're never going to give them a dime, right? Which is this. 
Or you can, you can give them, say, no, I can't do that. I'll go maybe get you a meal or something, whatever. That's simple. That's straightforward. Right? How many of you have ever seen somebody that on the sign, the first time I saw the sign, I thought it was cool, and then it's really sad, but it was, you know, I just want money for booze and, you know, whatever. And it was like, oh, I can really respect and appreciate that, but at least they're telling the truth. There's no spinning going on. The need is still there, right, for help. So how do we get free from this, you know? And I started thinking about, like, if we are reflecting God's character, let's look at what God says, right? Because God's word is always accurate. He always fulfills the promises he gives. If God says, I promise, whatever comes next is going to happen, period. I will provide for you, he says. I promise. He promised to provide. Now, it might not be six figures in a mansion, but it's going to be what you need and what I need. So here's what it says, Deuteronomy 7. Because I wanted to look at it. I wanted to find a, something that he says is going to happen. And then I want to figure out, you know, we should know how to do this in the Bible. If God says something's going to happen, let's figure out, did it happen or not? Otherwise, he's a liar. And I'm not going to call him a liar. Here's what it says, Deuteronomy 7. Chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. The Lord did not set his affection on you, speaking of Israel, and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were the fewest of all people. See, part of the problem is, is that we don't trust our value in God's eyes, right? And so we have to try to make it work for ourselves. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers, right? From the very beginning, God said... You will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. I'll be with you. There's a covenant. I'm going to take you through to the end. I'm faithful to you forever and ever and ever. And he says, it was and kept his oath that he swore to you, to your forefathers, that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh's king, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations for those who love him and keep his commandments. You're like, okay, what does that mean now? How many of you know John 3.16? Raise your hand. About to blow your mind. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world, not just Israel, the world in which you are a part. That he gave his one and only son, right? That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that he did not come in the world to condemn it, but to redeem it. He promised because of his love to redeem and restore. And he fulfilled his yes in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus is his yes. And so we can trust that God's word matters. It has weight. And he is telling us in Matthew 5, your word matters and it should have weight. And it has to be because you have character, godly character, because you love him and love others. So out of love, I'm just going to simply tell you yes or no. Anything else isn't love. All the, all the excuses and all the promises and all the oaths actually aren't what we need. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Do you want to go out with me? No. 
Okay. I like you. Do you like me? Yes. Did you clean your room? Uh, Mom, but no. Did you clean your room? Yes or no. When your kids come to you wanting or needing things and you can't provide or you don't want to provide, it's okay. I'm going to let you off the hook. It's okay to say no. It's okay even to give an explanation. No, this is why. You are not required to fulfill the things in others' lives that only God can fulfill. Do you hear me? You cannot fulfill the things in other people's lives that only God can and will fulfill. And it's okay for you to say that. It's okay for you to know that you're not enough for everybody else. And I'm preaching to to myself right now. This is my struggle. Today, right now, this is my struggle. We all need to let our yes be yes and our no be no. And allow Christ to be enough in everybody else's life too. My challenge to you this week is to put it to practice with your kids, with your spouse, with your coworkers, with your friends. Don't make promises you can't keep. If you do, hold yourself accountable to keep them. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. Thank you that we have everything we need in Christ Jesus. Thank you that your word to us is fulfilled in him. That everything that we need, the love and hope, security, provision, protection, and purpose that we are seeking on this earth is yes in Christ. Father, if anybody here is struggling to know Christ, would you soften their heart to let him in? To let you in? And God, that we would see our relationships grow and build and mature because... We don't pile it on with a bunch of words that don't matter, but we just say yes or we just say no. Help us fulfill this law through Christ. And we know it's not anything we can do, but only through his power that we can change. So change us, Lord. We're going to end our service like we always do. We're going to pray together. If you're comfortable and you need prayer, you can come forward. We'll have folks up here. Those of you who help with prayer, if you want to make your way forward, we can do that. If you need to know Jesus and you have questions or you want to enter into that relationship, we're ready for that too. If you're not comfortable, you can call us, you can email us, we'll pray for you. We're going to stretch our prayer legs as people, as a church, and we're going to grow in this together. So, if you feel like you need that, 